And the scripture reading will be Galatians 3, 6 through 8. Just as Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. There it goes. Okay. Good morning. It is a privilege to be together this Lord's Day. We're thankful for everyone that has come out to be with us. We are excited to be able to open up God's Word. I hope you have your Bibles open to the book of Galatians in the third chapter. That's where we are going to be studying this morning. In Galatians chapter 3, as our theme for the year is the gospel is for all. I want to reflect some on that from Galatians chapter 3. And what Paul is making an important argument here in the book of Galatians, because in this letter, in this epistle by the Apostle Paul, he is trying to prove to the churches of Galatia that Gentiles have been saved by faith, not by the works of the law of Moses. What you have in the at this time that Paul is dealing with are people who are Judaizing teachers who are demanding that Gentiles, they keep the works of the law, that they keep circumcision and other things that matter to the law of Moses, some of the particulars, dietary restrictions, things of that nature. But Paul is trying to correct that, and he says here in chapter 3 and verse 6, even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, that it was not circumcision that justified Abraham and made him righteous. It was his faith that he believed in God. That is what made him justified before God. And he says in verse 7, Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. So it's no longer about being a fleshly descendant of Abraham that makes you a child of Abraham, it is that you have the same kind of faith that Abraham does. That is what makes you a child of Abraham. A radical shift, a radical change in a Jew's mind, of course. But then Paul makes this interesting statement in verse 8 that I at least find very interesting. He says there in verse 8, the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. That the Scriptures preach. That's kind of fascinating, isn't it? You usually think of a preacher or a person who does the preaching. But here, Paul, I believe, is using personification. That he is using this device of giving animation to an inanimate object. 
And more to the point, the Scriptures say what God says. Because it is God who made the statement, all the nations will be blessed in you. The Scriptures are God's inspired message. The Scriptures record what God says. And in that, it preaches. And it teaches us. It instructs us. But you think about the statement there, that the Gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham. How is that so? How is the Gospel preached to Abraham? Many times we might think of the Gospel as being preached for the first time in Acts chapter 2, don't we? Whenever Peter told the 3,000 that they needed to repent and be baptized, and believe for the for the forgiveness of sins. That that was the time that the gospel was first preached. You don't read about that in the life of Abraham. You don't read about Abraham being told to repent and believe or confess or anything like that. So how is the gospel preached to Abraham? Again, it adds more to this idea of. We really need to understand what the Gospel really is if we're going to understand it and appreciate it. Because we typically think of the Gospel as something about Jesus Christ. That it is a message about Jesus. But again, how was Abraham told about Jesus? He wasn't told about how Jesus had been crucified and killed and that you were guilty of it, was He? He wasn't told about that. He wasn't told that Jesus died for your sins. And so, any notion of what we have and what we might typically associate with the Gospel probably needs to be broadened based upon Paul's statement here. And we sometimes might think of the Gospel as something that we obey. And again, Abraham was never baptized, for example. So what does Paul mean exactly when he says that the Scriptures preached the Gospel to Abraham? How so? And what was that message? Was that message any different than the Gospel that we strive to preach today? Those are some questions that I hope that we can answer this morning. The first thing that I think we need to stop and just learn and to appreciate about the Gospel is that it contained God's promises. If you read in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8, there it says that the Gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. That was a promise that God made to Abraham, which is particularly Germain to Paul's argument in the epistle to Galatians, proving that God's plan of redemption has always included Gentiles. That all nations of the earth would be blessed. And so Paul is appealing to that and contending that the inclusion and salvation of Gentiles is an essential component of the gospel. That's even more than what we sometimes would say the gospel is, isn't it? Sometimes we might just say, repent and be baptized. That's the Gospel in a nutshell. But Paul, even to him, he's saying it's bigger than just that. It's the inclusion of the Gentiles. 
So much so, he argues that this is not unique to him. He traces it all the way back to the book of Genesis in God's very words. In Genesis chapter 12, in Genesis the 12th chapter, and in verse 3, whenever God first appeared to Abram, and He told him in verse 3, And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That God spoke to Abram and made him this promise, this guarantee, that through you all the families of the earth would be blessed. And He makes that statement at least two other times in Abram's life in chapter 18 in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 18 and in verse 18, here it says that the Lord was speaking to Abraham and says in verse 18 that since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That this is the promise of God. In chapter 22, in chapter 22 and in verse 18, when Abraham was offering his son Isaac as God had asked him to, and then God prevented him from uh, killing Isaac, he says in verse 18, God makes this promise and reiterates it once again. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. We oftentimes think of the Great Commission when Jesus told the apostles to go into all the world and preach the Gospel as the first time that that was ever uttered. Actually, I believe in Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 18 and chapter 22, these verses, this is the basis of the Great Commission, isn't it? That the, This is the Gospel that Paul says is preached to Abraham. That this is God's promise and it includes going forth to all the nations, to all families of the earth. A blessing that would be given to them. In Genesis chapter 12, when God first made this promise, Abraham was 75 years old and his wife Sarah was barren. He had no children, no heir. Which makes God's statement of a great nation seem a little bit ridiculous. That one man was going to produce a great and mighty nation. By the time you get to chapter 18 in Genesis, time had not slowed down. Abraham is about 99 years old and Sarah is about 89. God promises them, though, that at that time next year, the promise would be fulfilled. In chapter 22, God calls on Abraham to offer Isaac that son of promise, that long-awaited son. God asked him, testing his faith, to go and sacrifice that son. And Abraham does so. He is passing God's test with flying colors. By the time you get to chapter 22, you see Abraham's faith and his trust in God at an all-time high. The Gospel what you see is that it contains God's Word and God's promises. That God makes a promise. And in the life of Abraham, Abraham's faith was growing as God was beginning to fulfill that promise. Abraham was able to see God working and active in his life. He's 
he trusted in God's word. He trusted in that promise. And he, by the time you get to chapter 22, he is willing to do whatever God asks him, knowing that God was going to be with him. In chapter 22, my favorite part of that whole chapter is whenever Abraham's servant is with him. And he tells him in verse 5, Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over and worship and we will worship and return to you. Now Abraham was not doubtful that Isaac was going to have God's protection. He understood, he believed that God was going to protect Isaac and that they would both return. Because he trusted in God's promise. That with Isaac, he would be a God would fulfill this promise to bless all nations. A great and powerful nation would come from Abraham. And turning back to the book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul wants his readers to understand that the gospel he is preaching is the gospel that God had spoken to Abraham. That there is no difference. That the gospel that Paul is preaching, that Gentiles are saved by faith, is exactly how Abraham was saved. Paul is not making up the gospel. The gospel is God's plan of redemption and salvation for all people, for all nations, for all families of the earth. But why? Why is that so? Why is salvation made available to everyone? Paul's answer is very clear. It's very simple. Because it's what God promised. God promised that all nations of the earth would be blessed. That's what God said to Abraham. The Gospel contains God's promises. He made promises to Abraham and He's continued to make promises to us even today. That even if we have faith, like Abraham, then we can expect to receive the promise. So you continue on in Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3 and in verse 22, it says, But the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. There is a promise that we as believers in Christ have been given. That is that we are made children of God. You continue on down to verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That we are children of God. We are justified. We are made righteous by faith. Because we believe in God. We believe in His Word. We trust in His promises. And we are justified by His promise and His Word and His Gospel. That's the gospel that was preached to Abraham and it contained God's promise and it continues to build on that promise. The second thing that we learn about the gospel being preached to Abraham is that it promoted faithful obedience. We see that Abraham responds to God's promise in faith in, in chapter 3 of Galatians in verse 6. The Apostle Paul quotes from Genesis chapter 15. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. The gospel that Paul preached and that was preached to Abraham promoted that kind of response of faith, of obedience. 
which fits with the broader point that Paul is really trying to make in the book of Galatians. That all people are saved by faith. All people are justified by faith in Christ. In verse 7, he says, Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. He goes on in verse 9, So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. That was when we have faith, we are aligned with Abraham. When we believe in the Gospel of Jesus Christ, when we believe in Jesus, we are aligning ourselves with Abraham. Because Abraham is not just the father of the Jewish people. The Apostle Paul makes that astounding argument in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4 and in verse 10. As he is talking about faith and Abraham. And how in Genesis chapter 15 that Abraham's faith it was accounted to him as righteousness. He says in verse 10 of Romans chapter 4. How then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. So what Paul is trying to demonstrate is that the true Abrahamic covenant, the promise that God was making to Abraham, it's not fulfilled in circumcision. It's fulfilled in, in faith. That you are heirs with Abraham by faith, not circumcision. He goes on in verse 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had whilst uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. And the father of the circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham while he had been uncircumcised. What all is trying to get across is that we have to walk in the steps of faith of Abraham. Abraham was a faithful man. We need to follow in his steps. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, the Hebrew writer says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham becomes the prototype of faith. He shows us what it means to have faith. And that faith is going to produce obedience. We see his faith by his actions. And by faith, Abraham did what God asked him to do. In the book of Genesis, when in chapter 12, when God appeared to Abram and told him to go, he went. It says in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4, So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. What a testimony to Abraham that he is told by the Lord to go do something, and he goes and does it. That's not the only time that Abraham would show such obedience in his life. You can see very clearly that in chapter 12, he worshiped God. In verse uh, uh, 8, he builds an altar to the Lord. He, in chapter 13, he builds another altar and worships God. He responds in worship and obedience to God. In chapter 15, in verse 6, we're told that 
He believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him as righteousness. In chapter 17, in chapter 17, whenever God tells him to circumcise himself and all of his household, it says at the end of that chapter in verse 26, in the very same day, Abraham was circumcised. Abraham believed in God and he responded in obedience. In chapter 22, the pinnacle of Abraham's life in his sacrifice by faith. Abraham obeyed God. By faith, Abraham lived a life of obedience to the Lord. You see that demonstrated time and time again in Abraham's life. That's what Abraham did because of the gospel that God spoke to him. And by the time you get to chapter 22, after Abraham was willing to offer his son, it says in verse 18, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. I thought Abraham was justified by faith. He was. What kind of faith? A faith that obeys God. A faith that obeys the Lord. That's the kind of faith that Abraham had. Which makes him the perfect example of faith. That's why James would write about faith without works is dead. He would say that Abraham's faith was perfected by his works. The gospel, when we hear the gospel, when we hear God's word and his promises, it ought to promote faithful obedience. It ought to encourage us to do what God says. Even when we might want to have doubts and questions, we need to allow faith to grow and to manifest itself. Abraham's life is an example of faith. While he was not always perfect, he made mistakes, he sinned against God. He allowed faith to conquer those weaknesses. His faith became the basis of his actions. And the biblical picture of faith, the biblical picture of faith is an obedient faith. The faith that obeys and that does what God says. You see this repeated over and over in Abraham's life. And so whenever we are confronted with passages that tell us what we must do to be saved, such as in Acts chapter 2, when the people asked, what shall we do? And Peter responded, you must repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. We don't need to hesitate. We don't need to blink. We need to trust in God's promise of salvation and forgiveness. And we need to respond appropriately and obediently. Those people in Acts chapter 2, they received His Word because they believed. They received His Word and were baptized. They trusted in God's promise and they obeyed. We need to do the same thing.
when we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be ready to not just let it go through one ear and out the other. We need to be ready to hear it and live it out in our life. And then thirdly, we see that the gospel anticipates a future blessing. That's something that we learn about the gospel, isn't it? From Paul's statement there in Galatians chapter 3. That in Galatians chapter 3, the gospel that was preached to Abraham not only contained promises from God, not only did it promote obedience and faith, it anticipated a blessing that was going to come from God. That God was going to be at work and do something in Abraham's life because of his faith. And it was going to be something that began with Abraham, but completed later. Abraham believed it. He believed that there was something that God was doing that was bigger than him. That all the nations will be blessed in you. Abraham didn't get to see all of it in its totality. We learn just a few verses later in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say into seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed that is Christ, the Messiah. Abraham didn't live another 2,000 years to see Jesus walk the earth. But he trusted that God was going to fulfill His Word and His promise. Abraham realized that something is very important that we all need to stop and realize. That God's Word and God's plans, they are bigger than you and me. They are bigger than what might even occur in our lifetime. That there is something that God has in plan from beginning to end. And I play a small part in that. I play a small role in that. Abraham learned that important principle. In Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 10, as the Hebrew writer speaks about Abraham and his faith, he says that he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham started looking even after God told him to go leave your home, leave earth that Chaldees, go to this land that I'm going to show you. This Canaan land, that promised land. And while Abraham was absolutely obedient and he lived in a tent and he went and he wandered there as a pilgrim, he was able to see beyond that. He wasn't just looking for that land. He wasn't looking for just a spot to live in here on this earth. He was looking for an eternal city, a permanent place whose architect and builder was God. He learned that a life of faith requires looking beyond this present life and what we see, hear, and do right here, right now. 
Abraham learned that. Abraham obeyed God. He went to live in the promised land, yet he understood that God was teaching him something much more important. Abraham never saw the complete fulfillment of these promises. He was always a stranger in Canaan. But Abraham understood that there was something beyond just the physical realm. In Hebrews chapter 11, you continue on down to verse 13. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own, and indeed if they had been thinking of the country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. People who live by faith, they understand this principle. That it's more than just any earthly blessing. And there is something that we all long for that still we have not yet received. He longed for that heavenly city of God. He understood that the gospel, the promises of God that was preached to him was looking at a long-term plan. And it was more than just this physical realm. There was something beyond it. The same is true for you and me today. The Gospel contains a promise of a future home, doesn't it? That we are still awaiting. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, as the Apostle Paul was nearing the end of his life, and he was able to reflect on his life and his ministry, his preaching and teaching as an Apostle of Christ, he said in verse 8, here is a man who is about to die, and I'll, I'll just find these words somewhat ironic. He is about to die and he's talking about his future. How many times do we think about that? As we get older, we might not think about our future as much, right? We usually like to ask young people, teenagers, 20-year-olds, what do you have in mind for your future, right? We like to talk to them about that. But older people, we don't maybe ask that question as much. But Paul, as he is about to die, he says in verse 8, in the future... There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. That's the promise of the Gospel for you and me. That requires us to look beyond anything that we have right here and right now. For all of us, no matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, if we don't think about that in our future, then we're not planning very well. We're not planning our future well. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, in 2 Peter chapter 1, 
And in verse 11, he says, For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Do you think about that day? Do you think about that day when you're going to be granted entrance into the kingdom, that eternal kingdom of God? Do you think about that and long for that day? Because that's what the Gospel is. That's what we learn about how the Gospel that was preached to Abraham, that it contained God's promises, it was promoting faithful obedience and it anticipates that future heavenly home. And I don't want a day to go by where I don't plan and think about my entrance into that kingdom. That eternal kingdom of God where we will be welcomed by our Lord and our Master and our Savior to give us that home and eternal reward. Come into His presence with joy, with thanksgiving, and gladness. That's why we preach the Gospel. That's why we share the Gospel. And that was the Gospel that was preached to Abraham. The Gospel that we preach is even older than just a 2,000 year old Gospel that was began in Acts chapter 2. It started nearly 4,000 years ago. Being preached to Abraham. The Gospel is the means by which God will save us and justify us. And He gives us the promise of a future home in heaven with Him that we long for and we anticipate. And so whenever life brings us struggles, we deal with them. But we trust in God throughout them. Looking beyond those trials, looking beyond the difficulties, we look forward in, in anticipation of that crown of righteousness that will be granted to us. The Gospel of God is timeless and ageless. And it is a promise that God is going to act and bless us because of our faith. And we will be granted an eternal home with our God. And God offers those things to you today. He offers you salvation. He promises that for you if you will believe in Him. Believe in His Son. Have faith in Christ. Obey the Lord and Savior. Be baptized in water to have your sins washed away to become a Christian today. And if you have done that, you can have the hope of eternal life in the kingdom of God, in heaven, that city that God has built and prepared for us all. And maybe you think about that promise and the anticipation of entering into heaven and you come to realize that you have sin in your life that might prevent you from hearing those words, enter in, good and faithful servant. If you 
have sin in your life that you need to make some corrections. We want you to understand we're here to encourage you, to help you. We want to pray for you. If you need God's forgiveness, if you need to become a Christian, or if you're a child of God that needs to make some corrections in your life, we're here to help you. If we can be of assistance, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?